0: We are back,
1: everyone, with part two of our very special episode with guests Dane Donahue and Keith Barry. Welcome back, Captain John. So this is part two
2: of uh, we left with a little bit of a cliffhanger in last week's episode. I know. I've been on uh, pins and needles all week. Well, you were there. You know how it turned out. Yeah, but, you know, it's all in the editing. Okay,
1: yes, yes. So where we took a break in the conversation, we got up to the point where um, the record's been recorded the second time been released and you know apropos of a certain song on the record we kept going back to this question with dane whatever happened to um and that's where i think the story really gets interesting i mean the whole story is interesting but keith the writer really takes us through what happened a little bit about what happened to this record but then whatever happened to dane after that goes into great detail but what i was most interested i want to get your take I was most interested in hearing, how does this thing not, like, just jump off the charts
2: and be a smash hit and Dane Donnie have a seven-record career? Especially when, like, the first few days, it seemed like it was selling well. They sold, like, 30000 in the first couple of days and thought, okay, this thing's going to start to grow. And then, wah, wah, wah. Well, and we've
1: been surmising that what happened was Disco. And you couldn't break through the glass ball ceiling,
2: if you'll, you know what I mean. It seems like it. it seems like it. we don't know that for sure, but that you know, that's just kind of adding up what was going on at the time with uh, the result of this. Yeah. It, it, there's no other way to really explain it. All right, cool. Well, let's jump back in. Uh, we'll pick right up with our conversation. The way I
1: left it was asking Dane. You know, what, here's the question everybody wants to know. You got the record out. Whatever happened? And here's how
3: Dane responded. It's interesting. I was talking to uh, David Krebs the other day. That was out. He's out in Malibu. And uh, it was the half of Lieber Krebs. And he said, you know, after all these years, he said, you know, I really, really should have pushed hard, hard for a second Dane Donahue album. He said, I Mm -hmm. should have really said that. He said he made a mistake. He should have really pushed hard for that. And uh, he said, because then he brought up uh, Aerosmith and Ted Nugent. Sometimes you don't break on the first record, you know, of course, with me, I didn't push hard enough either because. You know, I I always loved music. I still love music so much, but I never did care much for the business of music. And, you know, I know the two have to coexist. Uh, But, you know, I could have probably pushed a little harder myself back in the day. But uh, it's all a matter of timing, Joss. all that luck, you know. But thank goodness for Yacht Rock and and, uh, all you guys, you know, for bringing this thing back around. You know, I wanted to go back really quick
2: then, because we we've spent so much time focusing on the players on this record and the list of the, the names and all that stuff. But none of that would really mean anything without the songs. And the songwriting is so good and yet it's unique. And you almost referenced it a little bit when you uh, Keith, when you were talking about the Terrence Boylan record. But one note I have about the songwriting most uh, maybe not all the songs, but there's a lot of you, you don't use the typical verse chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus out format. It's very much different to me Casablanca is a perfect example. you know there's there isn't that clear well, this is the verse and this is the chorus. And um, I don't know if you could talk a little bit about your just your process there Dane, and the way you would write.
3: We, uh, you know, I started off, you know, writing songs by myself, but then I had uh, gotten with David Gettru, who was like actually in Jesus Christ Superstar in the band. And I played music with him on a local level after that. He brought in Mark Fisher. Great, great, great lyricist. And the three of us worked together on things, and, and that's how we came up with it. I mean, uh, without Mark Fisher and Dave Gettru, this thing wouldn't be, uh, what it is in my view these guys deserve all the credit in the world they they are so dear to my heart with the uh the amazing contribution that they made to the project and um you know i'll forever be grateful uh dave Guthrie is no longer with us but Keith, I just heard from mark fisher uh if you can believe it i'm going to try to call him here a little bit later he's just uh these guys are awesome and they contributed so much, and I'll forever be grateful.
1: And I'll just say to that point, John, that every time I listen to this record, honest to God, I have a different favorite track. And if my first listen through, I thought, oh, Casablanca is so quote unquote yachty. It's, the, it's the one, it's it. Yeah. But right. as it stands today, if anyone's curious, Can't Be Seen is my jam. So, oh, yeah. Um, and I agree, the songwriting so unique. Sonically, I do hear, John, you're the producer. Sonically, is there any similarity in your mind uh, to the Terrence Boylan record? Because when I hear them oh, yeah. side by side, I'm like, well, he went to go do that, and he's really, yeah. he's cribbing his own notes back and forth. Uh,
2: yeah, because I sent you uh, uh, like a picture one day. I had uh, your album playing, so I had the, the album jacket sitting up in front of my turntable, and I clicked the picture, and I said, now I know why I... Uh, this album sounds so smooth because it was produced by Terrence Boylan because we had just been talking about the Terrence Boylan record on the show. So I immediately came home and had your album on, and my ears just clicked the two together. So that was before I even really noticed that Terrence had produced it. Yeah, that did she finally get to you? Is a, is a track off the off the off the Buna album that
0: is. <clears throat> that kind of kind of reminiscent, but then there's other stuff he did. Like there's a song that ter- that that Buna sang called "Sundown of Fools." Yes, to- it's an It's awesome song. Awesome Shame song. is
2: another one we love.
0: Yeah, it, totally different than yeah. than you know. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of breadth there. Um, so yeah, there's
2: it, you know a lot of talent and a lot of breadth. Yeah, my ears always go to the Sonics and particularly the drum sounds.
3: And when I can hear the the two being the same, that I- caught my ear too. Is when I was looking for a producer. I think I heard, uh, I heard him do something like, he might have played it live for me, or his record, he was doing like, Well, I heard you thinking about
4: settling down, I'm tired and you know, gold being just a run around,
3: something like that. You know, I'm going, Whoa, that. That really uh, that caught my ear. Mm, yes. Um, well, you know what caught
1: my ear today? This is sort of shifting gears, but going back to the your writing style, and I was just by chance watching the Asia documentary last night, the making of the Asia album, and they talk so much about their jazz influence. I, you have to have some jazz influence in your arsenal. Where does that come from?
3: Well, I don't know. Probably the first taste I got of it, and, and I wish I had a copy of this tape, but I, I remember rehearsing with that with that group I mentioned earlier when I was about 18 or 19 up in New York City. We are actually in New Jersey, and Tony Bennett showed up, and we were playing a blues song, and I started, I mean, he jammed with us for a little while, and we had a tape of it, but it, I'd give anything for a copy of that, but uh, that's when I started paying attention to some of that stuff, and then, of course, being with uh, later on with True and people like that, I got the education on it. Just great influences.
2: Do you write from the acoustic guitar? Is that where you start, or do you play other? I instruments? do mostly. Yes, I do mostly. Do
1: you have that acoustic guitar handy again? Because let's let's hear a little of your tune. Yeah, let's hear a little
3: of your own stuff here. A little ditty. Yeah. Um, let's see, I was singing.
4: Who knows how long I've loved you, darling? You know just how long I will. Love could blossom like an apple tree in April. But everybody's going crazy, trying to color everything so blue. Whatever happened the days when love came to you? Whatever happened to the good?
1: Love came to you.
0: Beautiful. Ah, yes. Nice. I think... There's got to be a um, you've got to book a book a club in Mansfield some night after you know after when when people can travel again. I'm getting my second shot tomorrow, yeah. and uh, and you know all of us and you know maybe maybe uh, you know JD and Hollywood Steve and David Lyons and all those folks can uh, make, make a make a little pilgrimage out to Mansfield and just hear the whole album back to front. I would love. I would we don't love have that. far
2: to go because we're up in Detroit, so we yeah. don't
1: have too far to travel. Oh, awesome. oh, I for would that. be there if this happens happens keith you gotta let me know
3: yeah i would i would i would i would fly out to see that because i've had my two shots also there we go
1: <laughs> well i would miss my own funeral to make this happen so <laughs> um dana yeah dana are you uh, are you writing and recording at all nowadays uh, you said you love music you weren't crazy with the business of music but what are you doing nowadays to keep you know scratch that itch
3: yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I'm I'm working again with a guy who's my first manager um, and uh, working with a lot of people that are helping me out, JC Gold, which I want to talk about in a little bit about my new website that I'm launching. But yeah, I've been doing quite a bit of writing. When I was locked up for a while. I had actually a, a little extended vacation thanks to the federal government for a couple years and actually got a chance to re-examine a lot of things in life and uh Readjust, realign the soul, a lot of things, and uh, came up with actually quite a few compositions in there. Wrote songs about my time in L.A. I wrote one called L.A. Rainbow. And, uh, you know, a lot of different songs. So I'm, it's my goal to try to get some of these things recorded uh, as quickly as I can. I think Keith, uh, and thank you so much in that article, uh, narratively uh, posted a little bit of a Christmas song that I wrote that I thought was about me. Uh, Called "Old Fashioned Christmas," very sad song. But then I realized, jokingly, I said I went from locked up to locked down, Mm. and uh, I realized that that song's about all of us, you know. And so Mm. I'm hoping that uh, you know someone will hear that song someday. I mentioned to Keith too. I said I'd love someone like uh, Michael Bublé or someone to record that song, but it's "Old Fashioned Christmas" the way we used to remember it.
4: Well, there's no reindeer or holiday cheer. All the Christmas lights are glowing dim this year. There's no mistletoe on my doorway. Old-fashioned Christmas is so. another day old-fashioned Christmas is so far away
1: I found that one on YouTube. Is there another place we can find that? And we'll link to it. You mentioned a website that's coming up.
3: Yeah, I've got, I've got uh, it'll be com. JC Gold put that together for me. And it's, uh, it, it's active. And we're, it's going to have uh, hyperlinks to every person that played on the album. Ooh. So uh, also some photo pages and some things. And, and, and I'm hoping it would be a chance that I could play some old demos. Like I mentioned, I had a demo that I did with Craig Fuller. Great Craig Fuller from Pure Prairie League and Little Feet, and Ricky Skaggs and a few guys, and just to post some of those demos and then possibly some of the new recordings, you know that I've uh, that I'm working on now. Well,
2: it sure sounds like your voice still has it. That's really good. Yep,
1: the article that. Um in your article, Keith, I think you say <clears throat> the voice has mellowed over the years, but he can still hit those high notes, and we just heard it firsthand.
2: Yeah, yep, no studio help either. That's right, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no Pro Tools here, <laughs> natural
1: yeah. reverb. But hey, we all have yeah. that. Yeah. Um, hey, Keith, before we uh, kind of s- s- wrap up here, there's you had a um an accompanying uh, Twitter thread that you kind of just rattled off some of the interesting factoids that did make the article. Any of those you want to share with us? And we'll link to that as well. But the, the one that sticks out at me is we keep talking about Jeff D'Angelo and even our Yacht Rock faithful are probably like, who's that?
0: He's an incredible jazz musician who's out in L.A. And uh, he was doing some studio work early on. He is Beverly D'Angelo's brother. Uh, so there's, there's another you know two degrees of Chevy Chase here. Yeah, uh, exactly. a Connection. And, you know, we had a great chat and he said, you know, I was kind of, I, I kind of realized that this studio and gigging, it, it wasn't for me. I was, a, I'm a jazz musician and that's, 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 and he found that and is, is, has a, had a great career, but uh, he and Andy Smith and Mark Fisher and David Gettru, the, the late, unfortunately, David Gettru were, were the folks who came out from, from Ohio with Dane and, and recorded with him. And it was this kind of combination of, of the, of the LA scene who, you know, these guys would, and they were all guys, uh, would, you know, kind of clock in, clock out. It was a job. Uh, I mean, it really, you know, when I talked to people about this, it was, yeah, I don't remember that much. And it wasn't because we were partying that hard. It just, <laughs> you know, it was, it you know, would go to Dantana's and have a couple of drinks, but it wasn't, you know, and I heard that Dane was really good at impressions. Uh, I've heard that
3: you, you you do really good impressions. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you have any for us, but um... well, <laughs> not as good as Buna, you know, but Jeff <laughs> Angelo, I gotta say, though, this guy, uh, it's just unbelievable. It was, it was actually funny watching some of the demos or some of the earlier takes we did in New York uh, playing them in LA with some of the pe- the musicians listening to that. Jeff D'Angelo, I would equate with Jaco Pastorius. I mean, mm-hmm. he's really up there. I mean, the guy is just amazing and I was so fortunate to have people like him who are absolutely lesser known, obviously, than than the Don Henleys of the world, but just an amazing musician. He was just great.
0: I found something kind of prophetic that you said in Dane in an article. And I think the Cincinnati Enquirer about your your first uh, recording contract, and uh, you were talking about how you wanted to bring out some players from Ohio, and you said there are just as many talented people in Mansfield, Ohio, um, as as there are anywhere on earth. They're just not famous yet, and I think that's part of the story too. Where there's just there's so much talent out there, and it's and it's really a lot of it is up to luck as to as as to who gets that. Um so that's that's part of uh you know that's that's part of this part of the story but yeah there was a lot of interesting things that didn't make in like the time that Dane was almost uh, almost on um on the um the soundtrack in, in instead of looking for love in all the wrong places he was almost on the urban cowboy soundtrack and that would have Uh-oh. been a totally Totally different uh, career, but that you know that could have changed things. Yacht country, yeah. And then also, Mickey Gilly was the first guest on um, uh, America's Country Road Show, which is uh, which is uh, America's Country Magazine, which was uh, a TV show that Dane was involved in. And it's that kind of these weird connections where you never know that the same people in your life show up over and over again. Um, it's, 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 it's fascinating that those, those connections that, that take place, that it is, is a much smaller world uh,
3: than, than you'd expect. I'm just thinking that, you know, it's, it's true everywhere, you know, like man, not only Mansfield, Detroit. I mean, again, I'll, I'll refer back to, to, to being locked up. I, I got a chance to play in a band with musicians from Detroit and they're just unbelievably great and uh, but there there's so many musicians that you've never heard of or probably never will but they're out there and it's uh music's just such a wonderful
1: thing absolutely for every Bob Seeger that is a household name there's a Tom Nixon just waiting to get discovered yeah <laughs> and I, ne- I never did um Keith uh, I was just gonna say um, encourage everyone who's listening to this needs to go read the whole article. We only scratched the surface; like we probably covered one third of the ground that you covered because we focused right. on the yacht rock years. Really great piece. We'll link to that. It's at narratively.
0: So Keith, thanks again for for doing what you did. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad. I, I'm glad that it's that it's out there. Um, it's, it's a really great, uh, it's a really great story. And, and, a, and if, if it helps some folks discover, discover an album or, or, find some music that, that speaks to them, um, that's, that's wonderful. It's been, it's been a really, a, a really incredible response, uh, from, from folks who read it and, and seem to that, you know, the mountain goats, uh, retweeted the article. Uh, so that's, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. That folks is cool. who are really uh, interested in it. Yeah.
1: And Dane, thank you for being on. You can come back. Anytime. Um, Yes. I wanted to put you on the spot, though, and and ask you if there's any, well, two-part question. You can choose which part to answer, if if not both. But what, if you had to pick, this is like picking your favorite, you know, naming your favorite child, if there's a track on that record that you think is you just listen back to and you say, that was my best work. Is there one, or is there a hidden Sonic gem somewhere that we need to go back and listen to that we may have missed um, to just go back and and give ourselves some ear candy to re-enjoy this record?
3: Well, that changes from time to time. Like you mentioned earlier in the interview, you know uh, you know, it changes for me. I mean, I agree with Keith on the winter wings song, but then again, to listen to Can't Be Seen, so it changes for me. But I did want to say that there are a few things, since you mentioned one to listen to. I wanted to give uh, a shout-out to Frederic Slama from France. He lives in Paris, and he pushed and pushed and pushed to get me to record. He was the first person to get me to record something after my album, uh, you know, a few years afterward. And I recorded a song with him called Worlds Away that I think to this day is one of my best vocal performances on a record. Uh, and and it's I I think it's right up there and I just wanted to thank Frederic for that how can we find that Dane so we can hear hear it Uh, probably just go to uh, Slama S-L-A-M-A 101 dot F-R and that's Frederic's website and or it might I think it might even might even be on YouTube but uh, I don't know if it's called Worlds Away and uh, beautiful song by uh, Frederic and uh, he asked me to record the vocal on that and He's like over in Europe is kind of like they call him the man with the golden address book because he has a lot of famous European people playing with him over there, you know, and it was glad that he got me back in, got my interest restarted in music again. So I started a lot of writing after that. Well, let's listen to a little bit of that.
4: Every song system Echoes words like you do
3: I appreciate what you guys do, and uh, and Keith, uh, I can't thank you guys enough.
0: And we'll we'll see you all uh, at uh, Dane Donahue plays uh, plays his entire album back to front at a concert in Mansfield. We'll come out to Mansfield uh, along with some unreleased gems. Yes, yes, yes.
3: All right, or maybe cool.
0: released by them. Yes,
3: we'll hold you <laughs> we'll to be- it. Party music as you're closing the show. We can do. Uh, Oh, see, I used to have a pick here. Here's one with the Beatles on it. Wow. Yeah. Name that tune. Probably have to have Bob Glob's bass line in there. Fortune
4: teller wants to there be danger up hell between two mountains When the moon is bright And a young woman's tread Is it all in your mind Just a traveler's imagination or does the magic you find Have a simple explanation Well baby won't you dance With a stranger Another
3: lonely man
4: in town. And so on. Ah, oh,
2: Beautiful. So on. You just nice. you, you stopped right at the part that inspired my song. I was telling him. There
4: uh, you go. <laughs> Here <we> go. Dance, <laughs> dance, dance, there it is. Baby, dance, dance, dance. Just take a lonely man into your Yeah. Baby,
2: that's great. I was uh telling him, Keith, before you came on that uh I released a project uh just a few months ago and it, it's uh called Page 99, and it's a yacht rock West Coast AOR thing targeted right at that era, late 70s. And one of the songs on there was specifically inspired by Dance with the Stranger. Well let's
1: just remember plagiarism is the sincerest form of flattery. So Yeah, I don't think that's <laughs> I'm I'm hoping it didn't go that far. Yeah. But well, uh, this has been great. What an honor. Dane, so much fun. And thank you, Keith, for really putting the wheels in motion to making this all happen. We just can't thank you enough, guys. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. Well, what a thrill to talk to Dane, wasn't that? That was great. Wow. Yep. And what a story, too. And so, again, props to Keith for kind of bringing it to light. Uh, we do encourage people, read that whole story. It's really cool. I remember when um, we got tagged on Twitter uh, I clicked the link, you know, cause Keith, when he put it out there, he sort of tagged a few people that he thought might be interested in it and tagged the Yacht Rock podcast, Twitter account. And I look at it, I open it up and I'm like, okay, I definitely want to read this. And I, you know, I do the thing where you scroll down and see how long it is. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, I'm not going to read all this. I could <laughs> not put it down though.
2: Well, you know, I'll tease one tiny little thing without giving any detail that I bet you most people in the Yacht Rock world don't know. That Dane spent some time in prison, and I'll leave it at that. Yes. you I mean, have to go to the article to find that what right. that's all about. Right.
1: And, and Dane did even reference that jokingly uh, in the episode, or part one of this episode. He did. Yes. In, in the way that Keith kind of teed that up, he's like, I wanted to go f- find the story, and I didn't have to look hard. I just did a search for Dane Donahue, and here's what I found. Yeah. <laughs> it was his federal... Uh, Whatever, penitentiary address. And I guess
2: we're used to musicians going to jail, but uh, not for this reason. Yeah. Or no. these reasons. So that, that's enough said on yeah. that. Like go I read s- the article. Go read the article and go
1: buy the record spin it, whatever you need to do. Um, I meant to ask Dane, is it available on vinyl anywhere? I wonder if he would even know. Because
2: yeah, You want to support
1: the artist. I don't even know if that's still possible 40 years later.
2: You can. I, I don't know how much he sees of it. I do have a vinyl copy, but it was a used vinyl copy, so it never would have generated any money back to him. And I'm not even sure if the streams and the downloads do. Yeah. But still, it's worth it's worth doing that
1: regardless. Well, it, it does the music justice at least brings it at least out of the depth of being a buried treasure and into the light. And hopefully if Dane continues to record, you know, more and more people will know who he is and what he's famous for. So yeah. Yep. Sounds like he wants to.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's. Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Let's go back to the real world uh, where it's mm-hmm. just you and I. Um, and lightning. Yes, and lightning. Mm-hmm. And there is, yes, a flag warning because of the lightning. Let's get into the lightning round and we will start with... Float your boat. Float your boat. All right. Can I go first? <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it.
2: Yeah, I guess so. You, Yeah. Go. All right. Well, this is uh, completely unrelated. I did not find a whole lot of um, stuff I could call a, a Dane Donahue-related lightning round, so I just went with stuff that I'd been holding for a while, wanted to ask you about. Uh, I want to go back to the Leo Sayer question. I have one of his from 1980. Um, it's a cover of a song that was originally done by like the Crickets, I think, in the '60s, and then Bobby V. Um, but this is more than I can say. Oh! So just for context, that song actually spent five weeks at number two. It went uh, number one on the AC chart, but it sat for five weeks at number two, which is kind of odd. It was held off by uh, Kenny Rogers' Lady for three weeks, and then John Lennon's Just Like Starting Over for the next two. But five weeks at number two seems like a really odd thing. I can't imagine... Many songs spend that much time at number two. No.
1: But sometimes. One way or the other. Sometimes you're just the victim of circumstance, though. There's that smash hit that comes along, and you're like, you know, the Phil Mickelson. Yeah. (laughs) You're the Phil Mickelson of the uh, charts, right? Bingo. Yep. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Love it for all the reasons I shouldn't. So I'm going to add it to my Yacht Rock playlist and then quickly slap my wrist because
2: it's probably a little too country twang for most, but I don't care. My boat, my list. My boat, my list, and uh, I agree with you. I yeah. Every I guess ever since we did the Yacht Country episode, I'm a little more forgiving for stuff that has a little bit of that twang to it. And um, to me, melody and all that is everything. And the melody and stuff keeps me in. So I'm a yes.
1: Yeah, and it's also though the the nature of the recording quality. So if it's True. a pristine recording like that is, yeah, that that gets you a bunch of points in my book. So. Um, God, just Very the fact good. that you can hear the bass is <laughs> makes something Yacht Rock to me anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, well, I'm glad you're so in love with Yacht Country because I had to go back to the interesting factoid that uh, Keith brought up. That um, Dance with a Stranger by Dane Donahue was almost on the Urban Cowboy soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it got bumped for Looking for Love by Johnny Lee. Oh, Not asking you does it float your boat, even though we're in the float your boat section. It's okay, uh, I'm asking: is that yacht country? Mmm, it's even on the fence for that for me.
2: Uh, no i I don't hear that as yacht country. I just hear that as straight up smooth country. Yes,
1: yeah, so it's sort of. Uh i I agree with you um <laughs> then again, I put he, it in my yacht country list, but um, he
2: does look uncomfortable on the cover I gotta say right. so there's a one point there
1: it's nostalgic country, pop country from the era on an urban cowboy soundtrack which suggests cosmopolitan uh, or what is it countrypolitan Country
2: countrypolitan
1: even making all those kind of intellectual arguments, I still agree, but are dis- disagree but interesting on the um Just the the track list I thought was interesting. It was a double album. I don't know if you remember that soundtrack, but it's got a Dan Fogelberg tune, Times Like These. It's got Mm. uh, Lion Eyes by The Eagles. Um, Mm. It's got uh, Looking for Love by Johnny Lee. It's got Could I Have This Dance by Anne Yeah, Uh, Charlie Daniels Band, Uh, Boss Skaggs. Look What You've Done. Really? Yeah.
2: Look What You've Done is on there? Yeah,
1: look what you've done to me. Um, So I just thought it was an interesting list. And then, of course, your sweetheart, Linda Ronstadt.
2: Anyways, oh, well, there she is.
1: Might be worth checking that out. At point. oh, Bob Seger too. Mm. Don't tell the yacht rock faithful. I might
2: listen to this record. <laughs> <laughs> what Bob Seger tune is on there? Uh, night nine tonight. Ah, oh, awesome. Love it. All right, so you got to do your uh, buried treasure.
1: I will do my buried treasure. Of course, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I'm just sticking with the Dane Donaghy record because it is a buried treasure. So why veer off? Uh, you know, the perfect. Seascape as it were And mm. I'm just going to Throw out there uh, He played a little of this one But let's hear it For our fans here Or soon to be fans Of Dan- Dane Donahue Dance with the Stranger hey.
2: What a tune, what a tune, what a tune. There's nothing I can add to that that I don't think I've mm, already said. So good. So good. What do you got? Uh, I guess I'm dipping a little into yacht jazz, but it does have a vocal on it, so it's not purely an instrumental. Uh, this is a John Clemmer song from hmm. 1979, and it has a vocal by a guy named Bill Thedford or Tedford. He sang with George Benson and Quincy Jones and Melissa Manchester. But the lineup is Fairly, it's got some yachtiness. It's got Ible Boriel on bass and Lenny Castro that uh, John Tropea on guitar has shown up again. Uh, Harvey Mason on drums, who, not really a yachty guy, but soul, R&B, jazz, and disco guy. So it's got all those influences. Yeah. But this is a song from John Clemmer, 1979, as I said, and that's uh, called Magnificent Madness.
4: Magnificent Madness.
1: That is super Yachty.
2: So, it is. Wow. I guess I didn't realize Clemmer got that Yachty. He played on a couple of tunes, I think, that we've referenced in the past, and we're like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because he was making his own records. I don't know, but he seems like he would be a perfect fit, tone-wise. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Good one. Very good. Well,
1: let's get to uh, off the map then, shall we? I think it's time. Do you remember last week what your off the map selection was? It was the artist Dan Fogelberg. I was like,
2: yes, it was right. You said put a pin in that, and
1: I'm going to which I did. Go good. Well, let's take the pin out because I'm also going to give you a Dan Fogelberg song. And the reason I did is because when you turned me on to that Terry Terrence Boylan record, um, I thought, man, there's a lot of Fogelberg vibe to it. And then listening then after that to the Day Donahue record, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of Terrence Boylan vibe in that, which <laughs> led me back to that. It's kind of Fogelberg-y. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I wanted to enter into a song that I probably would not make the case is Yacht Rock, but that's why it's off the map, and this is Hard to Say.
4: Lucky it love. Well, maybe so. There's still a lot of Snow, you cry. In your
2: careless way. Yeah, I could definitely hear Dane doing that song. That that is classic smooth West Coast. I, I like that a lot. Probably too mellow to in a rhythmic to be yachty, but it's got good yeah, vibe I didn't to it. remember it by title, but I do remember it now. Yep. Good tune. It's got a neat groove to it. You know, it's kind of, it's not just straight up strum. It's got a little groove happening in the verses. I like that. Yep. 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 Cool. Well, what do you got? Lay one on us. Well, for Off the Map, I'm going to go to uh, this one that we actually got sent to us from a listener. And I was originally going to hold it for a Make the Case, but it isn't really a big Make the Case as much as it's, uh, he sent us this and wanted our opinion. So I'm putting it into Off the Map. And I'm going to read what he wrote really quick. This is a guy from New Zealand, he wrote. Uh, He said, I'm from New Zealand, or I live in New Zealand. I'm just the right side of 50. Been loving rediscovering music that I hated as a skateboarding punk rocker in my teens. That's awesome. And an electronic techno head in my 20s and 30s. But Yacht goes so much deeper than that. And once I've gone beyond the 10 or 20 main artists, I've been discovering so many new ones, at least to me. He mentions Randy Crawford, Melissa Manchester, Mark Jordan. Also, I can now visit my record store and go through the five dollar bin and based on the <laughs> cover art <laughs> or the date, I can have a listen on Spotify YouTube music right there and then buy it on the spot. Recently I found an artist called Kim Beacon and an album called Ravenna from nineteen eighty. You ever heard of Kim Beacon? I no. Mm-hmm. I had not either. Uh, He said it has a slow version of John Lennon's Imagine on it, which is okay, but a couple other more yacht-like tracks on Side B. I can't find much info about him. He died in 2010, but I reckon uh, that at least one track here has to be close. So he sent us a track, and he gave me a a pros and cons. I love that. Hmm. So the pros of this song is that it's from the era, 1980, has the feels, and he said, plural, like you say it, with Mm -hmm. quotes. (laughs) That's because we're young and hip. Uh, Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. No acoustic guitar. Oh, there the, we go. It wins. It has the bounce. Okay. Um, it has a title, which is the same as a Doobie Brothers song, though it's not, the, it's not a cover of right. that song. And it has electric piano. The cons is that it's from the UK and not LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have any real uh, named artists of note. And he has in parentheses, not a single Porcaro. Neither uh, <laughs> <laughs> of those things are deal killers for me, by the way. But go no, ahead. Continue. Same. Uh, not sure he ever played with anyone of note, and it might be a little too yacht soul to be considered yacht rock. Anyway, I think that Minute by Minute by Kim Beacon is pretty darn close, keen to hear what you fellas think. And then, P.S., it also has backup singers in falsetto and a nice sax solo. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> So it is, it, there is a lot to make the case there. Yes. So He certainly got uh, the cookbook, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, let's give it a listen and see what we think. Oh, what do you got thoughts on that?
1: Uh, well, I love the tune. Um, for me, it sounds a little too, like you said, yacht soul to be yacht rock. So that's where I would fall on it. But um, it was funny. I was just about to like tell you that, and then it went into a more yachty section. And I was like,
2: jeez. Mm, so I'm kind of <laughs> on the fence, but I love the song. Yeah, I think it has all of the markers in terms of um, like songwriting and structure and all that stuff. What it misses mostly for me. Uh, is that it doesn't have as nice of a smooth, pristine recording. It's a little, it, even though it's from uh, 1980, it sounds more like 72, 73, like real early Steely Dan kind of stuff, you know, which isn't an automatic out for me because I do have some of that Steely Dan stuff in. So I do feel it's on target, but sonically it's just slightly amiss. And that could be the UK thing versus you know not having it done in the la uh culture yeah. you know the the all the the way those guys knew how to mix and all that stuff you know
1: well i yeah i would agree with that for sure so but i love the fact that somebody contacted us to make the case uh we should mention that comes to us from richard Nickel in new zealand
2: so cool yeah long ways away but uh, music binds us all together right it does the uh international language
1: cool all right well I think that's everything. I hope people enjoyed the uh, part two of the episode and uh, made the yeah. cliffhanger uh, pay off. Yeah, it's worth it for us. That was a, a- quite a thrill to talk to Dane. It's kind of back to the old drawing board for us, though. Now we're out of ideas. Well, I've got a guy who wants to be on the show next week. He says he goes by Steve L, and uh, he says he was a session cat back in the late seventies. So <laughs> I'll look into that and see if he's worth it or not. Um. That's a- Let's see if he knows the buzz <laughs> phrase. <laughs> that's a joke. Yeah, we can actually finish that now, uh, can't we? Because the cliffhanger was ahoy. The payoff is. Yeah. Mm.
2: Poloy.
4: We can dance. We can dance while the music's on.